Welcome to another edition of the Charlotte Soccer Show. John Hayes, Danny Brams in the house. It's Monday in Charlotte. We're at 12th Man Sports Bar and Pub here in Pineville, hanging out and talking about Charlotte FC's first ever match. Danny Brams, how are you? I'm great, John. John, what you drinking? Uh, today I'm drinking uh, one of my favorite beers I told you about on this show, Stella Artois. It's, it's my go-to. It's a, it's a lunch beer today on a Monday. So, yep. you know, especially after considering how many beers I, I put down on Saturday <laughs> leading into the match and, right. and during the match. A large variety. I, I, yeah. Yes, I can't. I do not want to go any heavier than this. I did not have any beer yesterday on Sunday, so I'm slowly working yep. my way back uh, into it. How about yourself? Well, I'm a similar boat, drinking a lunch beer, a, a Triple C Golden Boy, you know, kind of a more of your American Pilsner type of uh, brew. Not really what I usually go for. I usually go for an amber or an IPA, but it's a uh, it's a quiet Monday. We all have stuff to get done, so can't really get drunk here. But I do want to enjoy a brew while we're uh, talking about this team and this game. One of the and before we get into that, one of the things that I love about Triple C is that it's like OG Southend. Right. It is a brewery that has been crushing the local beer scene for a while, and. With all the new money and the new business and the new investment into South End, Triple C has stood strong. And the only way that you can do that is, is if you have good beer. Right, right, exactly. And you connect with the community, you know, which is all about what this podcast is about, which is local beers, local soccer, and local dudes talking. So, before we get going on the content, one more thing that we just wanted to fill you in on is is uh, Dante here at the Twelfth Man sports bar and pub in Pineville. Just really appreciate him for, for giving us the space today to, to hang out and do the show. And also just wanted to mention, for those of you down in this part of Charlotte, near Ballantyne, in Pineville, uh, if you're looking for a place to watch the match on Sunday against Atlanta United, a road match. They've got big, big screen TVs here. Very cool, chill vibe, small place, good tables, long bar, lots of taps. Kind of a hidden gem down here in Pineville. Totally. And there's uh, the special on Sunday is... Bloody Marys and mimosas, so it's like a brunch vibe heading into. I think it's a three o'clock kick. I think it's four thirty. Four thirty. Yeah, I got later. Yeah, yeah. Four thirty kick mm-hmm. on Sunday, so you can come come out for some some spend the day. Yeah, spend the day. <laughs> Get yourself nice and lubed up before the match on Sunday, which a lot of people were on Saturday night. Oh, what a night! What a night! So the lube, the lube was flowing. We, we're going to talk about the atmosphere. Uh, we're going to talk about Christian Fuchs, his ten out of ten performance that he put on display at Bank of America Stadium. Uh, We're going to talk about the team's defense, him being a part of that, but obviously other crucial pieces as well. We're going to talk about Christian Kalina, an unbelievable performance in that. uh, Kept Charlotte FC in the game the entire match. The only thing that got by him was an absolute worldie. (laughs) Unstoppable shot. Yes, absolutely. Might have been a cross, but hey, we'll give him credit. No, it was a shot. It was definitely a shot. It was it was badass. So if you're going to get beat, you might as well get beat on that. And then we're going to talk about the attack and some of the takeaways we had from the T.T. Ortiz and Carol Swiderski partnership. Did it work? Is it something that we can sustain? Who do we add? I know there's rumors about another Polish player out of the English championship potentially joining the Charlotte FC squad. That's huge news. Let's get into that, see where he fits into the squad. Um, and then, of course, we're going to preview Sunday's match against Atlanta United, the first ever derby in Charlotte FC's MLS history. 
traveling down I-85 this weekend with Tepper, a lot of fans. Tepper versus Blank, you know, all the subplots are there for sure. So let's start with, with Saturday. You know, the atmosphere was awesome, but... But well, we lost. We still after two matches, we have no points. We didn't. We have no goals. We're, you sent me 180 minutes. We're still waiting for a goal with this team, and it was great. And I don't. I definitely want to shout out the atmosphere. Everything we could have wanted for you know the inaugural home CLTFC match. I think delivered. Uh, the pictures I was taking at the French Quarter were wildly packed. I mean, the whole street was packed. You couldn't be. You couldn't drive on Church Street there. Romer, Romar Bearden Park was. Uh, a vibe and we have some thoughts on that that we might get into in terms of maybe that should be where the official team tailgate parties are pre-game in the future who knows if we'll have the power to influence that probably not but uh it was everything we were looking forward to everything we expected we got and and you love when something like that that you've been anticipating for so long delivers uh it was it, it was great we were well lubed up tons of people it was the place to be in charlotte people who are not soccer fans were hitting us up you know where, where do i where sh when should i get there where do i pre-party do i should i go buy gear you know oh is it too late to get tickets and stuff like that so very cool like fomo vibe that made us feel like part of something you know it's cool to be like the first one to a big party that everyone wants to get to we've been waiting for this for a long time with a lot of other people so all that delivered that having said that we have to say we need a goal that's what we're waiting for. And that's why we traveled to D.C. That's why we potentially could be on the road headed down to Atlanta United. I, yeah, I just came up with the idea this morning that I might need to go to Atlanta now to see our first win in person. So It's like if you play Texas Hold'em. By the way, this is my second Texas Hold'em reference on the show, and it's very short history. And right. I think I'm just going to keep Texas rolling Hold'em explains it. life, yeah. Exactly. It certainly yeah. does. Um, if, you, if you play Texas Hold'em, there's a certain phrase that is called pot committed. Mm-hmm. And mm -hmm. I feel, and I know you do too, mm -hmm. that we're pot committed oh, to man. see this goal. And if, yeah. we, if, we, if, if this squad goes down to Atlanta on Sunday and gets a goal and we're not there, that's, that's FOMO. Right. If, I was, if we had won the game against LA Galaxy, I would be right now plotting my ultimate like, TV post-up at the spot, meet with a bunch of people and watch the game against Atlanta on TV. But because we still haven't gotten a win or a goal, I'm like craving it. I need to be there in person. So now I'm thinking of going to Atlanta. So it, who knows? Uh, I, I do love the atmosphere we've established around Charlotte FC games. But I just want to say that like last weekend, if we're really serious about this club and being supporters, last weekend has to be the last time that we can say, oh, we lost, but it's fine. You know, it, it, was, it was easy to say that and it was authentic. But we can't keep saying that week after week. And it has to stop quickly. Need points now and need points quickly. And it starts on Sunday. The New England Revolution coming to town the following Saturday as well. So two fixtures here coming right. up within the next two weeks. Against teams that are favorites, preseason favorites in the East. You know, I have my doubts about Atlanta, but New England is going to be no joke. So the, we, these will be measuring stick games for sure. Atlanta United, they lost 3 nothing on the road to Colorado this past weekend. So it's a team that can be beat. Uh, right. There's there's no doubt about that. They have yet to reach their full potential in terms of uh, their key big DP they brought in over the offseason. Almada hasn't really featured yet. And then they got uh, Luis Arujo, who's one of their best players that they brought in late last season, was expected to be one of the best forward wingers in MLS this year. He got hurt badly in the first game. So Atlanta's not firing all cylinders. Certainly beatable. And it, we got, we, we've got to get the win there, I think. we got to get a road win. But we'll get into that in a minute. What, what else do you want to talk about from Saturday night? Christian Fuchs. And that's that's where I want to kick this off because Charlotte FC's short history has all been about him. It's been about the big time signing. It's been about getting a 
Premier League champion into your club. It's about his team dad status. You could tell from the moment the players walked out of the tunnel that he's wearing the armband. He gave the pregame speech. Now, can I confirm or deny that? I don't know, but I guarantee you that he did. And he was clearly the player that was not impacted by the environment, who was aware of what everyone was doing on the pitch, and at different points of the game played about six different positions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So self-appointed attacking midfielder by the end of it for sure. I owe just a massive, massive, massive apology, mea culpa, whatever you want to call it, on everything I've said about Christian Fuchs so far on this pod. You know, I, I was never not excited to have him on the team, but I just thought he was kind of a veteran depth piece that we were going to rely on to sort of connect with the community and shepherd the younger guys through this first season. I, I was way wrong. Uh, he's he's the most important player on the team right now. He's easily our best passer has the most vision in terms of, of looking for transitions and, and ways to turn uh, defense into offense, making quicker passes. I had a lot of issues with our guys. Most of our guys, whenever they would get a pass, they would never like one touch pass it on to the next guy. They all like every, I think that's game I think that's coaching that their coach sort of accept it, take the touch and look up. But we were in need of quicker passing and Fuchs was the one who was delivering that. Like I said, he basically appointed himself into the center attacking mid role. Uh, with about 25 minutes left in the match and just started getting forward at will and, and bombing up and making things happen. Had a massive penalty shout. I personally think we should have been granted a penalty when he sort of had that pinball that fell to him in the in the box and Sega Koulibaly, the CB for uh, Los Angeles, dragged him back by the shoulder right when he's about to like reach forward. And he, he could have either taken a shot on goal or he could have slid it over to Daniel Rios who was streaking in. So Fuchs had two options there for a great goal-scoring opportunity, and he was dragged back, you know, by the jersey, and no, I, no call, no VAR didn't help us out, and it's, you know, so and that was again, Fuchs, you know, I won't dwell on the, the bad call. I thought it was a bad call, but we can move on. But the Fuchs creation and the just the fire he was playing with and sending long passes and getting into tackles and trying to like press and steal the ball. I mean, he. He was amazing, and I don't know. He may play himself into an injury the way if he keeps doing that at his age at this point. But he has more than impressed me, and I had to just say I was way wrong on Fuchs. I actually have a new idea, and you may think I'm crazy on this, John, but I think I love Carujo and McCoon as a center back pairing, and I think ultimately our destiny is to play with two center backs, not three. So I'm sitting here thinking, why don't we put uh, Christian Fuchs into the defensive midfield and let him give him the opportunity to run forward a little bit more? Just because, again, he he might have to work harder in that role, and maybe so that's not for him. But his cr creativity and his his uh, focus on getting attacks going, like quality attacks, unmatched so far. It's a good thought, and and by the way, I just want to quickly call out the fact that I do hate talking about officiating after the fact. So I'm not going to sit here and bitch and moan about the lack of um, the penalty call inside that box. But I do want to point that out as an as a great example of. Why is he even in the box right. in that moment? <laughs> right, that's right? the thing. Like, yeah. That is the thing. Because like, he had self-appointed himself that I'm going to go get this goal because no one else on the team was really making offense happen. I love everything we saw defensively. I will praise this team's defensive, almost everything they did on Saturday. But offensively, there was tentativeness. There was no creation. Anytime Swiderski got the ball at his feet, he blew it. He passed it back to the, the defense. You know, we need to get him the ball in better service areas. We're not counting on him to be a playmaker, but where he was receiving it were not good spots for him, and he didn't do good things with it. 
So, so, so let me pick it up from there as far as the change in formation. I am on the record on the show over and over and over again saying that he doesn't have the ability to be a playmaker on the wing. But in the center of the field, I think that what you're thinking about now Right. This is being discussed with some cover from a second defensive midfielder who's younger and quicker who can sort of get his back. What you're talking about now is something that's being discussed inside MAR's managerial so. room. I, I hope so. I, I think that he's taking a look at that film and saying, holy shit, mm-hmm. this guy is going to be better than I thought. Mm-hmm. He is our best player by far, mm-hmm. and we need him on the ball in the middle of the field. Yeah. And we need to give him cover with a Sergio Ruiz. That's his partner. Right. Brant Bronico, potentially his partner as well. So, But what it does is it creates depth at that position. Because if you do go with a 4-2 in the back, those two defensive midfielders, right. you've got three guys who can play that position. Right. So if you want to make a defensive substitution, if you want to... And you could even put Franco there too. Franco could be the partnership as well. He could. In the two middles. He could. I, it's For me... The reason why I don't like Franco there, I like him a little bit further up the pitch, is because if you put Franco there, Ruiz and Bronico, it's really hard to get him into the lineup. Right, right. Agreed. Yeah, if you had Franco, Fuchs, then you got Ruiz and Bronico on the bench, that's probably not what we want either. I agree. It's it's finding this formation. We still have not found our perfect form that gets our best 11 on the pitch because rain is bad. I don't think uh, Mora's worthy of being a starter. So trying to fill those holes while fitting sort of a formation. We know that Miguel Angel wants to play uh, 4-4-2 based on what he did at Independiente Del Valle, what they were doing in the early part of the Charleston tournament before just too many injuries and lack of personnel forced him into the 5-4-1 and not having Carroll. So I think we are bound, we're destined to see a change in formation and we're destined to see a change in, in starting personnel. It could be McCoon who misses out and our whole you know, speculation about Fuchs moving up doesn't actually doesn't ever happen, and they just keep him as a, as a center back. Who knows? I I like what I've seen from Macoon, but I think Carujo is clearly ahead of him, and walks might threaten him when he comes back from injury. Also, so I don't know if Macoon's destiny is to be a starter the whole year, although I think he's quality. Bronico got some bad reviews from people I was seeing online, but I liked what he did. You know, he he. What I, the way I described it is, even when our defenders found themselves out of position, they always recovered. You know, like. They made some mistakes and took some risks they didn't need to and found spots where it was like, oh, no, the, I'm watching from the stands. I'm like, oh, the Galaxy, oh, they're about to get a really high XG shot opportunity here. Like, oh, big shot coming in. But the shot wouldn't even come in because someone else from the defense would rotate over and cover. They communicated well. I love what we're seeing from this defense. They they have a tough spine. Every goal, we've given up three lucky goals to D.C. and a world-class, you know, curler that was impossible to stop to L.A. So... We're still, we're not giving up bad goals. Shout out to Christian Kalina, who, I mean, you want, I'm sure you want to wax poetic about his awesome performance. Well, it's not just about his saves. It's about his distribution. It's about his ability to be at the right place at the right time. And sometimes you just have a, a player or a moment where things click. And when we saw Kalina net for the first time in Charleston, it was just like, yeah, like, he's the guy. He's... He's owning that position. His communication with the back line is great. And you could tell anytime a defender made a play, he was the first person out to say, great job, way to have my back. 
And then when it did come to him having to make a save, he was right there, positioned perfectly. Even it wasn't, even if it wasn't the most difficult save in the world, that's what you have to to think about as a keeper when you're watching a keeper play. Okay, he's not making world-class saves, which, by the way, he did make a world-class save on Chicharito. Yeah, the diving save on Chicharito's curler which should be on highlight films for the rest of the year, for yeah. sure. That was the save of the night, and that was in the 18th minute. If that go, if that ball goes in, it's a different night at Bank of America, I think. And I want to focus on that key word, connectivity. Yep. Because in my mind, there was one part of... Charlotte FC's tactical plan that just did not work. And that was building out of the back to the striker. Right. We're, we're going to build out of the back. Like that's the, the team's committed to it, so it is what it is. When the ball got into the defensive midfield, there was no connectivity there between the attacking players. If you go look at the stats, you'll go see long ball, long ball, long ball, mm-hmm. long ball. What have we talked about this entire time leading up to the season is that this is not a long ball team and quickly MAR's tactics on Saturday night became long ball after long ball Mm -hmm. deep to Swiderski deep to Ortiz there was just no connection between the defensive midfield line and the attacking players Swiderski did not get any service there was no one to link up with TT Ortiz was all over the place rarely had the ball at his feet I feel like, you know, TT's our playmaker, and he's trying to get possession. He, he's, like, exhausting all his efforts just trying to get the ball, not worrying about what he can do once he gets it. So there was no connection there, and it's a huge problem for me. And if MAR style is going to work, and this circles back to one man, Christian Fuchs, he is the connection point mm-hmm. between your front line and your defense. If he can play in front of a solid back two with license to get forward, license to create, all of a sudden what you have there in your formation is a player in the back who's able to pass the ball into the midfield, who's able to hit one out wide, who's able to dribble up to midfield and hit one down the channel to Swiderski who makes a run. Instead of just having someone fire one way over the top and one of our attacking players have to get some leverage using physicality, which, by the right. way, win they a did. header, which, you know, yeah. They were physical. Swiderski was throwing his body into everybody. Yeah, he's skinny. He needs to eat some barbecue, for sure. <laughs> get, yeah. get Carol a pulled pork sandwich, please. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's important to, to note, and we use an app that I think I should talk about on the show, uh, because this app changed my life as a, as a soccer fan, and you wow. turned me on to this. Hey, well, it's I the feel so- honored. It's the Sofa Score app. Yeah. It's the best app in global soccer. And let's just talk specifically about a player that you've been on the record saying maybe not the best option for Charlotte FC on the left flank. And that is Jordi Reyna. 5.9 rating on the Sofa Score app. Right. That is the worst rating of anyone who was on the field. And part of that is because of a big chance missed. Had the opportunity to finish a goal in the first half. He didn't do it. But other than that, completely absent from the match. Right. And the big problem is he's over there on the left side with Mora, who's our other really ineffective player. And you find that a whole side becomes dead to us in in terms of 
uh, creating quality attacking chances. It's a it's a big problem. It's a huge problem. So, tell me about the news out of England. Oh, right. So we we that help is on the way. We we uh, we've been railing against having Reina as a starter since the season started, and finally we may be able to chance to have, replace him. We got Camille Joswiak from. Derby County English Championship side, the second division over there in England, is he's uh, playing Rooney ball he right was now, a, right? Yeah, he's been playing under Wayne Rooney, who's <laughs> had middling results as a coach. Uh, you know, one of the all-time great players. But uh, Joswiak is a winger that we tried to sign about a month ago, and we were literally about to finalize it right after the Machi deal fell through, and he got hurt, and so then everything fell through. But apparently, his injury is less, not as bad as people were fearing, and so the deal is now back on. The rumor was, I have not seen official confirmation of this, but supposedly he was in Charlotte watching the match uh, against Galaxy this past weekend and should be finalized and, and announced this week. We'll, we'll see. Um, again, shout out to Top Bin 90, who's my guy for most of that news. Uh, a lot of good reporters on this team, but Top Bin seems to have everything first for me. Uh, but yeah, Joswiak, let's bring him in. I don't know too much about his game, but anything's got to be a replacement over Reyna. I know a lot of people love Reyna's speed. But to me, that's an impact sub. That's not a starter because the guy just, he doesn't, he short circuits attacks way too much. So that gives Charlotte FC and MAR a little bit of depth that doesn't typically exist. Um, so the other thing I wanted to what'd talk you, What'd you think of, real quick, sorry. Yeah, but, sure. What'd you think of Gaines when he came in? Well, that, that was exactly where I was going, where there was a lot of changes in that second half. Charlotte mm-hmm. FC made five changes overall mm-hmm. let's start in the 72nd minute and by the way real quick i just want to shout out christian fuchs for picking up a yellow card in the 37th minute and staying disciplined for the entire right. match didn't and even come close to picking right, up right being the most active player out there and never had the second yellow. Yeah, yeah i don't even think he good for him like had a questionable foul call after that no. that moment in the first half he's, he's a smart veteran yeah he is he's, he's really special so first one in first one out was a huge surprise Ben Bender in for T.T. Ortiz right. at, at the 73rd minute. Well, T.T., just I know this from tr- tracking him at Tijuana, uh, he he almost he never finishes a game. He always subs between around 60, 70th minute. I, w- I was hoping that that would change when he came to Charlotte, and I haven't so far he's been an early sub uh, for us twice uh, already. So it, it could be just his thing that he's really only got about an hour's worth of match fitness. So a minute later, Daniel Rios comes on and Carol Swiderski is out. Another, so, so another the, match fitness issue, I think, with Carroll being out of the country and flying back in for sure. I would expect him to be a 90-minute player. I totally agree with that. But the reason why I bring this up is because Mackenzie um, Gaines, uh, someone who you mentioned, came on in what was a – we talk about like for like, right? Bender, Ortiz, like for like. Rios, Swiderski, like for like. Mackenzie Gaines for Joseph Mora, not like for like. In the 81st minute, MAR said, we need a goal. We need a goal, yeah. We, we gotta, we that was goal. right after LA had scored, right? Yes, yeah. exactly right. So it was a good. I thought that was a great change. So I think that he came on. And I, instead of talking one by one, I just wanted to talk about the substitutions as a whole. Did you like what he did, Miguel? Did you think that it was enough? And how did you feel about that depth? And then I, and the two more changes I just wanted to point out was... Um, Sergio Ruiz comes in for Brant Bronico in the 82nd minute, and then Chris Hagar comes in in the 87th minute, which was maybe the story of the night. And we'll, I mean, yeah. More on that later. Awesome story if you don't know that one. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll tell touch you. On we'll it. tell you the story. Um, and that was the final change. Five changes. 
on the night. As for the subs, I mean, Ben, I, I would have just probably brought in Gaines a little quicker. Uh, you know, he didn't come in until I believe there's about 10 minutes left in the match. Ben Bender was a revelation. I was so impressed. I'm so impressed with Ben Bender's energy and his verve, if you will. He just has, that's the word that kept popping my mind, is that he's like always looking to do something. He, 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 he was, he not a ton of like effectiveness, effectiveness, but he was getting uh, the attitude and the spark that we needed. I don't know that he becomes a starter necessarily in the future, but He's a he's a fun player. He's fun to watch, and, and like you, your eye gets drawn to him when he's out on the pitch. I, and the fans seem to love him. Like I was sitting in this in the supporter section um, with you know a lot of like new fans and like people who are new to the game. They, you know, so they would like they would harp on very specific things. This group of guys behind me, so like they didn't know everything, but the things they knew, they were all about. And one of them was Ben Bender. They're like, oh Ben Bender, Ben Bender, you know. So like. He could be a fan favorite. We'll see. A couple things on that. I think he's a fan favorite because he was the first pick in the draft. And people that are casual fans like associate that with, like, oh, he must be really good, yeah. the number one overall pick. Yeah. Got news for you. He's not that good, okay? Like, I was really disappointed with him being the first person that came on. If you're trying to score a goal, like, I'm sorry. It's got to be Rios. It has to be right. Gaines. Rios yeah. almost did score. He just didn't get any power on the one header he got that was close right. up. And, by the way, that you know, Rios comes on a minute later. So it's, it's happening at the same time. But I'm just like, I'm, I'm surprised that Ben Bender was the first person to be brought on. And I think it just shows the lack of depth in the attacking midfield position. Right. Like we talked about Fuchs during that area, of the, and, that time in the game, and if, playing yeah, better than he, Bender. Yeah, Fuchs, well, Bender basically became a forward. It almost was like uh, Bender and Rios and uh, Gaines, that once Gaines stepped in, were like three forwards, and Fuchs was like the, the distributor, like kind of playing the ball up to those three. And it almost. It almost resulted in, in positivity. Rios got a header on the goal. He just he just got no power behind it. Unfortunately, he didn't have a chance. And Reyna almost scored. I've been bashing Reyna, but he almost scored early in the match. He he, he beat the keeper, but unfortunately, it was cleared off the line by uh, Koulibaly, I believe. So we, we keep coming close. We've scored a goal that was ruled offside, and rightfully. We've scored, you know, we've almost scored a header that was about to go in, but got knocked off the line by a defender, but it did beat the keeper. And then we had a you know point blank header that just had no power. So... If you look at the attacking momentum graph, another great sofa score sofa feature. Sofa score feature, right? What you see is as soon as the changes were made, Charlotte FC started to look a lot better. So mm -hmm. this is a good sign. The fresh legs, the energy. There's there's some help for there. I'm just not sold that when you're down one nil at home, that Ben Bender is the guy that's going to change the game. Like I, I'm just not sold on that. I think. The other other people need to come in who are legitimate goal scoring threats. Ben Bender, yeah, sure, he, he's he's someone that can play up top, but it's more of in a creative role. I have seen nothing from him yet that suggests that he's someone that's going to come in as a super sub, super sub and score a goal. I, I just right. don't. See and if that. we had more depth at the top, and some of the guys who are starting now were that were subs, then they would be probably subbing in ahead of Bender. So it just kind of feeds on a set. You know, one problem leads to the next in that regard. So there's, there's a ton to talk about, and I, I think you and I talked before the show today, and that kind of, I think, wraps up our overall impressions of the first match. And just one thing that I'll add, and you talked about being in the supporter section. Yeah. And how you enjoyed it, and the atmosphere there with some casual fans, people that really didn't know the club very well. Yep. Met some new friends. 
Absolutely. people I expect to see at future games for sure. That's awesome. That's great to hear. For me, um, I'm up. I'm in section 342, which, by the way, was like a phenomenal way to watch the match. Like, I felt like the only other place that I would prefer to watch the match from would be like first row upper deck behind the net because you get a really good look at the tactics, right? The channels, see who's running from that point of view. Um, in fact, I've been known or whatever, maybe not known, but ESPN Plus back in the day would offer you that, the tactical view. The, the tactical view. Yeah. And I used to watch matches like that, and it really made me a smarter soccer you, player. But you were known for that. Yeah, I was, in my in home, certain circles. In, in certain circles. Yeah, the circle that is in my own brain. <laughs> yeah, I, was, yeah. I, was absolutely, yeah. I was absolutely known for that. I love um, it. So in Section 342, I will say is that it was a pretty fair weather crowd. Like I could tell that I was probably the only person within shouting distance that knew who any of these guys were <laughs> outside of Christian Fuchs. Right, yeah. And except for a couple guys in front of me who were big Mexico fans. Yeah, Leonardo Chicharito. They, oh, yeah. oh they, yeah. They, hell yeah. And so, you know, I'm sitting there in the section. These guys are sitting... In the row in front of me, like two or three people over. And I'm just loud, like the whole time. Yeah. Rachel, my, my wife is sitting next to me, and she like nudges me a couple times because I'm like, you know, throwing her on an F here and there. Fairly sauced, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, but these guys in front of me, you know, there was a point in the match where they were like, oh, not only is this guy into it, like he knows what the fuck he's talking yeah. about. So they keep, like, every five minutes, they had something to say over their shoulder. They were just enjoying the match. They were calling out great plays. Obviously, keeping an eye on Chicharito and just exactly how yeah. he, had his he was playing. He did have his chances. Yeah. He was poaching hard in that yeah, match. Yeah, it, was, yeah. it was fun to see. It was easy to call him out. I love when a star like that wears boots where it's just like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had the bright orange. Yeah, right. yeah, no, yeah. No, he was, no, he was wearing uh, neon yellow. Neon yellow, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was wearing neon yellow boots, and it was just like, where's Chicharito? Oh, he's right there. He's in right the, there. Yeah, and he's yeah. always right near the box. So it was super fun. So, like, I was clearly calling out like for Bronico for our uh, you know our center backs by the way we didn't, we didn't talk a lot about Guzman Carujo but like all you have to say is like the reason why you don't talk about a center back is because the center back does his job he was great yeah he was great he was tremendous so um, I, at one point during the match I just was just like shouting out Fuchs so hard and these guys are like looking behind me like nodding their head being like he is putting in a shift right. Yeah. So it was just like it was so obvious to, to to people that love the game, that know the game, that were there to watch good soccer. Yep. That we did have a former Premier League champion on the pitch, and that he was by far and away our best player. So I, just that that was enjoyable in and of itself. Like meeting people in our section, identifying who was really into the match and wasn't just there for the event. And if you were just there for the event, I would recommend that you come back because mm-hmm. the soccer is is going to be. Decent, if not it's good. It's going to get better. I think it, the the lazy take, the the casual fan take is, oh, Charlotte's zero and two, and they're zero down four zero in goal differential. They must not be very good. But anyone who's watched these two games knows that this is a good team that has a very solid foundation of defensive spine that they can build on. They're not going to be surrendering a ton of goals this year. I'm quite sure of that. It's really just all about starting to get some attack flowing, and then we'll be good. So. We're going to move on to Atlanta United. Keep in mind that is the blueprint that Austin FC used to finish last place last year. But we're, we're going to hope we're better, better than that, yeah. 
We're going to take a look ahead to Atlanta United this weekend, New England Revolution, the next home match as well. I'm um, going to give our take on the match this week. Um, just like last week, I was on a work trip, had to go to the Combine. Uh, Danny Brams is on a work trip this week as yep. well. He's heading down to Tampa for the SEC Men's Basketball Tournament. Is that correct? Called into duty, yep. And that should be a fun week. So it is a lot happening in, in both of our lives, but we're making sure that we carve out the time to talk about this squad and be here for you, the Charlotte Soccer Show listeners. We really appreciate you being here. Yeah, we're getting so much good feedback. I just want to shout out, like anyone who's taking the time to listen and say we enjoyed it, I, I can't thank you enough. That is just so, so awesome. And I hope, I hope we can continue entertaining you for the whole rest of the season. You know, one of my good friends in town, Tyler Daly, who I played uh, seven on seven with, um, throughout my time here in Charlotte, who, by the way, is like a boss midfielder. Like, really? He was just like, oh, I had a great time meeting Tyler. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He, you could see by his frame, like, right. he, he, he was a really, really good soccer player. And when we had our seven on, on seven squad, like, he would just like own the center of the pitch and made our lives so much easier during those matches. But anyway, so he comes and meets up with us at the French Quarter at Hooligans and. One of the first things he said to me is like, hey, where's Danny Brams? Wow. Yeah, yeah. No clue who you were, but he's been listening to the show, and I really do appreciate that. Um, we're trying to be here as a resource for this new franchise, right? We're, right. We're, we're just going to do content. We're going to talk about this squad. We're not going to break news. You know, we'll, we'll talk to some guests on the show here soon. We yeah. have a very short list of people that we want to have on the show. We have a very short list of people that we don't want on the show. <laughs> the thing that we've had the most fun with so far, I think, is just telling the story of being super fans. You know, we, we both work in professional sports, but we're not sitting here trying to be sports guys necessarily for your typical. We're just fans of this club who are pot committed, like you mentioned earlier. We bought in. We're all in. And we're gonna we're we're gonna give it all and, and tell you the story of how we follow this team and how we've enjoyed it so far and it's it's been amazing so far. I love talking about this squad. I love getting to know all these guys. What do you think is uh, hold our future holds for Sunday versus Atlanta United? It's a tough match, right? And and right off the bat, I, I think about this match as a loss, and and I've been thinking about this match as a loss for the months, and you could argue the years leading up to to the schedule release because clearly we didn't know we were going to play Atlanta United on the thir- in the third game on the road. Woof. That is right. a tough, tough draw. So when I'm looking t- towards Sunday and I'm seeing the 4.30 kick and I'm, th- I'm seeing Charlotte as almost 5-1 to one underdogs. That's incredible. That, that's a significant number. That's all that you I- need to know. I, I think that's a misread. I personally think a lot of uh, pundits are misreading Atlanta. They they think Atlanta's going to be good because of some of the on-paper talent, but I don't necessarily see how it's coming together. I think they're pretty weak on their back line. I, I'm way lower on Atlanta than a lot of people are, and I expect more people to come join me down here than for me to have to go up top uh, where they're at. So we'll see. Like I mentioned earlier, injuries and just not having their full squad fully together leaves them kind of not fully formed they're in sort of a met you know trans- transitional state just like we are you know we're transitioning from nothing a club they're transitioning from a former championship club into sort of uh you know trying to regain past glories type of situation so i i just don't fear atlanta united i i i could be way naive but i think it's easy for us to go down and get a win and with those odds i if you would bet the 
what's it called? The no chance bet where you can get a draw or a win and pays you out? That seems yes. like a lock to the me. The double chance. We should easily get a, a draw from this uh, situation. I, I, I don't see why they can score on us, and I don't think Brad Guzon's a good enough keeper if we can prep for him. So. I like it. It's a, it's a really good take, and I think there's an opportunity here with a new franchise to maybe beat the bookmakers a little bit. Yeah, to, of course. At, they don't at, have at, a read on us. At yeah. some point, this team is going to flip that switch and mm-hmm. is going to score goals. And if it was not for a worldie on Saturday night, you're talking about a 0-0 draw. Right. And I t- learned, leaned over to my, uh, a buddy I was t- at the game with and said, man, at, at like the, literally m- two minutes before that goal was scored, I said, man, I would take nil-nil at this point. Like I was just so happy with the way we were playing uh, defensively. But didn't work out. Uh, I don't want a nil-nil against Atlanta. I would. I, I. I. expect us to win, whether it's two-one, one-nil, something like that. I. Th- I think it's time for us to start scoring. I do love the rivalry aspect. You know, uh, the derby. It's the first derby since Atlanta has been in the league. They've had this sort of fake rivalry with Orlando City because that's been the closest like MLS club to them. But it really matters a lot more to Orlando than to Atlanta. Atlanta's always kind of like looked down there. Like it's. It's not really been a rivalry to them, especially because they've kicked Orlando's ass most of the time. But uh, this is a real rivalry. This is, you know, uh, three hours apart. You know, everyone in, in Atlanta does business in Charlotte and, and vice versa. You know, they're two very symbiotic cities, I, I feel, where, you know, the, the space between them is basically growing up into one big city. Like, if you try to drive from Charlotte to Atlanta, you're just going to be in an urban area, like, pretty much the entire time at this point. Uh, very similar to where I came from, uh, Austin to San Antonio. It's the same, same phenomenon. So... Yeah, maybe I'm being naive. Maybe I'm just a, a shameless homer, but I just do not fear Atlanta United. I think they are way worse than most people think this year. I'll add some fuel to your fire, and what I'll say is, is that no matter what atmosphere Atlanta United puts out there on Sunday afternoon, it will not match what the players experienced on Saturday. Right. So it's not like they're going to see anything that they've never Great seen point. before. So I think that really helps in this situation on the road, where Atlanta United will. Uh, get a, a good crowd. And by the way, can you please explain to me why it's Atlanta United FC? Like, can it just be one or the other? Right. Like, the, the Department of Redundancy Department. Exactly, yeah. I did hear a great suggestion. It's way too late to go back now, but I heard a great suggestion from someone who said that Charlotte should have been Racing Club Charlotte, you know, because that's kind of a naming convention that a lot of South yeah. American teams use, and it, a nod to NASCAR. Clearly too late to go back and change that, but I thought that was kind of a funny Well, they, they did give a, a nod to NASCAR in, in the pregame when Jimmy right, Johnson. Jimmy Johnson, yeah. yeah Jimmy yeah. Johnson oh, came out. I got to say, Steve Smith being the inaugural like coronation king uh, for our first game was awesome. Steve Smith is Mr. Charlotte. He's like the king of Charlotte, one of the greatest Panthers of all time, if not the best. Sam Mills probably has a case, but awesome. Like I went nuts, and everyone around me went nuts just seeing Steve Smith because he is beloved in this city, and that was a savvy, savvy move uh, to have him mm-hmm. in the first game. Listen, no matter how you feel about Cam Newton or not, don't leave him off that list. You're talking about an NFL MVP. 100%, but Steve Smith is is just pure Charlotte. I mean, the guy is just beloved in this town. I, I know Cam is very beloved also, but like Steve Smith is just that next next level. It could be Cam someday. Who knows? Yeah, I think yeah. Put, I, I think having Cam in that. Yeah, that that would go. People would go thrown, nuts for that yes, as well, absolutely too. Right. But, but, it, but yeah. it was a great choice for, for yeah. the first match. So uh, before we get out of here, I just to, did want to do – some storytelling on the back end of the show about our experience on Saturday. We talked about, and I think this is important for Charlotte people, right? This is the Charlotte Soccer Show because we want to talk about other things too that 
matter to you in our city. And Saturday was the first time that I, and I believe it was the first time you, used the gold line. Right, yeah, the uh, the gold the tr- gold line trolley, which runs from downtown, or uptown, excuse me, uh, into the Elizabeth area, where we, we started our pre-party in Elizabeth, over by Piedmont, uh, Juco, and then just hop on the gold line. It's free. It's, it took us right uptown. There was a slight delay for a, a fire truck that was in front of our train for about 10, 15 minutes that, you know, got a little annoying, but it was cool. It took us right up about a block away from um, French Quarter, and really awesome just a, a part of Charlotte we had neither of us had experienced before and now we're that we're that much more Charlotte than we were before right exactly and, and I'm a huge uh, fan of public transportation especially when it comes to trains and I think that the lack of public transportation as we sit here in Pineville just across the highway from Ballantyne the fact that you can't get here on a train from uptown drives me insane yeah so this is something that I want to do did it go 100% smoothly? Absolutely not. But did it get us from point A to point B? Yes, for free. It did for free. So I've got no qualms there whatsoever. It, however long you might have uh, had any delays on that gold line headed back to your car in Elizabeth after the game, it was nothing compared to what I was dealing with trying to get an Uber to pick me up anywhere within about a 10-block radius of the stadium. My my buddy and I were like, oh, we'll just walk about five blocks away and call an Uber. You know, we no chance. They're doing circles around the area, know how to get there. We ended up walking about two miles before we could actually get a car to pick us up, you know. Did pick up some good Emmy squared pizza on the way that, that hit the spot, uh, so made the way oh, a so little more Oh, so you did walk a while. Yeah, you yeah, walked we all walked, the way into We South walked Bend. all the way up to South End. Yeah, it was rough because there's just, I, and we stopped about halfway through hoping this car would pick us up, but it just kept doing circles around like our pickup spot. I was like, this guy's never going to figure it out, so I canceled and kept walking, but yeah, the uh, you know, Charlotte... It's just a really cool party city, and we we took the party from Elizabeth to uptown to South End, and, and I can anticipate many many more nights going to be like that. I do want to say, like we met, we hinted at this earlier, uh, I didn't get a chance to get over to the official team uh, tailgate over at McNick Street. We talked about you know we were going to try to, but unfortunately it was just on the other side of the stadium from where we were at. And I I heard good reviews. I'm not going to bash something that I didn't have the chance to attend, but I just feel strongly that. Romare Bearden Park and the French Quarter is like where soccer has always lived in Charlotte. We called it, and the reason why we wanted to go there, we called it the soul. The soul. Of Charlotte soccer. It's always been. Before the MLS franchise existed, Mm -hmm. there was one place that was, hopefully they don't get in trouble for this, selling booze at 7.15 in the morning (laughs) on a Sunday for the 7.30 English Premier League kick. Right, and And we were there many mornings before the MLS franchise was ever announced. Right, so so that is the soul of Charlotte soccer, and I do think that if somehow the Men's City Collective, if somehow any type of supporters group could do a deal with the city to allow them to tailgate in the park... It would be so great. It would be phenomenal. So... I'm John Hayes. He's Danny Brams. Thanks for everybody listening to the show, for showing up on Saturday night, for representing our city in a way that no other city has ever represented an MLS team before. I'm getting texts from people out of town that say, 74K? Question mark. Did that really happen? Mm-hmm. Uh, pinch yourself, because it yep. did. You'll feel it. Sorry, Atlanta. You're maybe numbers two through six, but you're not number one anymore. And we're coming for two through six as well. You can follow me on Twitter at John Hayes on air. Please do that. Interact with me. Always love to get some feedback on the show. 
please leave us a review. I appreciate you. The 13 of you have, who have given us five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts, huge. I really appreciate that. Drop a review. Tell us what you like about the show. The, the lucky 13. The lucky 13, that's right. <laughs> and you can listen on Spotify. You can listen to wherever you get podcasts. And we'll be back post-Atlanta United. Like I said, Danny Brand's headed down to Tampa this week. Uh, I'm going to be hanging out here in Charlotte. And I'm super excited about the future of this franchise. And we're super excited to end the drought. Right? I'm not going to let you forget about this, Danny Brams. 180 minutes. And if I'm looking at my watch, we're still counting. It's the Charlotte Soccer Show. I'm John Hayes. He's Danny Brams. For the crown, baby.